to survive and ultimately succeed and thrive, you want to say, here's where we take our stand and get our foothold and we grow from there. Hi everyone, I'm Tina. You're listening to Unlock Product Marketing, a series brought to you by Better Product. Hi everybody, welcome back. Before I get into who we got to speak with and all the great things we talked about, I wanna share why we're doing this. Product marketing over the past few years has really exploded in terms of interest and Tina and I, both as product marketers herself, are passionate about this discipline and are excited for more people to learn more about it and for us to get to talk with other experts and learn from them. Oftentimes, as a product marketer, any discipline, it can feel like you need a community to learn from and be affirmed by and and be validated by, and this series and these interviews have helped me do that. Tina, I'd love to know, why are you part of this product marketing series? Well, I think, especially with this one, it was really interesting to me because Catherine is a CMO, and I've always introduced myself as, I'm a product marketer, I'm not a marketer. And it was a really good validation of the importance of that role, but also the differences in approach to the the things that need to get done. Um, So I really enjoyed that aspect of it. And I think it is important to understand that there are differences. Everybody's got a job to do. Everybody's got a place here. And I think it's important to understand what those distinctions are between product marketing and marketing. And I thought Catherine did a great job of really validating and, and elevating the importance of the things that product marketers do. I love that. Everyone's got a, a place. Everyone's got a job to do. So yep. if you're a marketer, product marketer, we compliment each other. And I, I love that. In this conversation, we got to talk about those roles and how they work together. Yeah. Before we get into it, though, <laughs> my favorite and most stressful part of this <laughs> part of the recording is the icebreaker. So okay, here I've we got, go. You're going to answer first this time again. So it's time to name your autobiography or your memoir, but you have to give it a title based on one of your guilty pleasures. What would you call it? Okay, so one of my guilty pleasures, and I'm guilty, pleasure is movies. I love to go to a movie theater with popcorn, sit and by myself, enjoy it. So the autobiography of Leanna is more than a movie. The autobiography of Leanna Viola. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> well, I would say, okay, so I'm an Enneagram one. And if anybody out there knows about an Enneagram one, the perfectionist, I have no guilty pleasures because I don't allow myself any guilty pleasures. But I would say, and if you know me, you know that's probably true. But I would say that um, I love to cook. And one of the things that I love watching that nobody else in my household likes watching are, are cooking shows slash travel shows. And one of them that I am way into now is Stanley Tucci's Searching for Italy. So I would say Searching for Blank and then with a really long subtitle under it that's looking for amazing food to eat in incredible places all over the world. Oh, I love that. <laughs> so a little bit of a long subtitle, but. Love it. Yeah. So as we get into the conversation with Catherine, um, Leanna, and I know there were a lot of really interesting things that we talked about. And one of those was around positioning. And we talked a lot about brand positioning, product positioning, company positioning, employer brand positioning. Yeah. And I would love for you to go a little bit deeper and give a little bit more clarity and definition to those things that we talked about. For sure. So 
topic being positioning, whether it's product or brand, one thing we talked a lot about is positioning gives you focus. You simply can't be everything to everyone, so start somewhere. And positioning, umbrella term, but there's a very clear distinction between product positioning and brand positioning. So think of product positioning as answering, what does your product do? What's the value it delivers? And it's going to make you think, is this product for me? Brand positioning is going to make you feel. What does this company stand for? What place do they want to claim in the world? They're equally important, but based on your company stage, one will matter more than the other. So early stage, starting out, your product positioning is where you're going to start, defining your place in the market based on what your product offers and what it delivers to your audience. As you scale, you can then start to think about what's your brand positioning? What's a place you want to claim? What we've seen, too, for a few clients that we work with is a question they ask us is, do I start with brand positioning or product positioning? And the answer is start with product. Mm -hmm. Start with what you know. You know your product. You can describe what it does. And that's where you'll start your process. Yeah. And I think a lot of times, too, company positioning is your product positioning. It's one and the same. Your company is the product. We even talk about names, right? Company name, product name. They're the same when you start out. The other thing that I loved that she talked about was pick a fight, take a stand. Yep. <laughs> Do it. not be lukewarm tea. You don't. You want to get to know as quickly as possible. No's fine. No's great. No helps you focus in on what your position and market really should be, and that's great. The maybes and the I don't knows not good answers. So I love that fact, and it, and that good positioning does help you to save time, save resources, helps the whole organization to focus more specifically in on it. And you've got to answer those types of hard questions first before you can start to evolve any strategy beyond that. You've got to get the positioning right. Take a stand, pick a fight. I'll do both of those. <laughs> I, I, would, I wouldn't want to go up against you in it either. <laughs> Asina just mentioned when you're early stage as a founder, you have enough to worry about. Focus on product positioning because at that stage, your product positioning is your company positioning. As you scale, you can start to focus on brand positioning and you can start to make more investments, whether it's time, resources, to really understand what place you want to claim in the market. A lot of the decisions that go around, along with brand positioning is brand voice. How do we sound to the world? What other companies are we alike or different from? So taking a stand holds true for both your product positioning and your brand positioning. Mm -hmm. That's just a few things that we noticed. Let's hear from Catherine herself about how she approaches both product positioning and brand positioning. Hi, Catherine. It's great to have you. Hi, we uh, have you. <laughs> um, so you and I know each other, but for our listeners, we're going to start with the introduction. So I'd love if you can start by telling our listeners a little bit about you and your role at Microblink. Sure. Um, so my name is Catherine Spence. I am the VP of Global Marketing at Microblink. And uh what I do at Microblink is a variety of things. Sometimes it feels like I sit in meetings all day, but in reality, I also do things like drive our go-to-market strategy, uh, structure our product suites, uh, think sort of in a future state about branding, uh, usually get asked for resources and budget for a number of different things. Uh, and I, outside of that, uh, I also try and unblock my team. That's pretty much the, the gist of my average day. <laughs> Love that. Unblock your team. 
What's an example of a a block that you unblock? Um, I don't know. Somebody might call me up and say, like, I had this weird conversation with so-and-so and I'm not sure if I'm reading it correctly. And, you know, I'll say, oh, okay, I have an additional piece of context on why they may have been talking like this or that, or I don't have context, but here's how I would approach this. And, you know, when all else fails, I usually recommend that everybody jump on a, on a call. That's often the best way to talk to folks. Yeah. So in it addition is. to unblocking things for your team, you're a marketer yourself and yes. microblink innovate map team. We've worked together and you've been working with our team of product marketers and you also have in-house product marketers. So let's talk about understanding how the marketing team and product marketing teams work together. So in your experience, how has product marketing shaped your perspective as a marketer? Yeah, so, you know, where I start with product marketing is that it really is the intersection of product marketing and sales, which are all individual functions that sometimes operate somewhat in silos, but ideally they actually are all interacting and product marketers are typically the people that are orchestrating and driving those interactions. Now, I first got familiar with product marketing because I was a founder um, and it wasn't that we had product marketing, it was that I was leading both product and marketing and thus I discovered product marketing by accident. Um, and uh, you know, what ended up being the foundation of the, the kind of link between these, these functions also ended up making it very easy for me to uh, continue to develop in this space, um, especially as I found myself at more mature companies where there actually was a need to um, to have a, a defined product marketing function. Um, and as you said, you know, Microblink is a, a company that you know really needed a major overhaul of the kind of product marketing approach. Uh, and we worked with Innovate Map uh, to to undertake. The, the kind of first stage of that overhaul over the past year or so. I'd love in a little bit to talk more about how we work together, but I want to talk more about how you describe your journey to finding about product marketing. So as a founder of a startup, what needs did you see that you needed to fill that product marketing could help with? So, you know, again, I, when I, if I put myself back in the shoes of a founder, I really didn't know, like, if you would ask me back then what product marketing was, I wouldn't have been able to tell you um, in the lingo that product marketers speak in, but I was a founder. And so I was trying to answer some pretty key questions. Why, like, who is buying our product? Why are they buying it? and what makes us different from either what they're doing now or something else that they could be buying. And that's kind of the gist of product marketing. And it's, it's pretty simple, um, but it's very hard to do well. What you said a uh, spot on about product marketing and the value of knowing who's buying this and why do they buy, that's actually a great segue into the topic that we're gonna dive into together and that is positioning, brand positioning versus product positioning. And I know for Microblink, as the company, you're standing for the potential of AI for good in the modern world. And as a brand, you're holding true to that. So talk about the role of brand positioning 
along with their product positioning? Because Microblink is a tech company that sells products. Yeah. So, you know, I think that there is um, a really close relationship between product positioning and brand positioning. And some of it relates to overall company maturity. So my general view, and again, this is my bias coming from like early stage companies, is that product positioning is usually a place that you start almost by default. And a lot of early stage companies, and keep in mind my reference and frame of reference here is B2B enterprise focused companies, um, which tend not to focus on brand as a first place. Your first start usually in B2B enterprise tech is who are you selling to? Why are they buying it? And what makes you different? And so, you know, you you work and churn over that problem many, many times and try and really validate that you have product market fit. Once you have product market fit, then I think you can start to evolve into what is our brand going to be? Because then you can start saying, okay, we're going to scale and we're going to grow. And usually when you have product market fit, that's usually when you're getting some additional funding or you're able to invest more because you're very profitable and you're capable of putting more money in. And that money tends to go to, well, how do we get more people to know about us? And you get more people to know about you by establishing your brand. And I think there's a component of brand positioning that's very simple, similar to product positioning, but it goes more like, Customers that have these characteristics should buy our product because of X, Y, Z. And the only thing that I think, well, not the only thing, one of the things that I think is a little bit more at play in brand positioning is an emotional component. So I think product positioning can feel very like utilitarian, like we have a need, this is the solution. Uh, I think brand positioning gets more into, you know, how does this brand make me feel when I think about solving this problem, when I see how they represent what they're trying to do in the world. And brand positioning is both internal and external, I would say. It's important for people at the company to have an, a, a very close emotional relationship with the brand. And it's important for you know, customers to accurately perceive what the brand attributes are. There are two things you said that are spot on for me as well, and that is the how much emotion is in it. So for product positioning at Innovate Map, we say it should be true and effective and differentiating. So it should accurately describe who are you, what does your product do? So your point about brand positioning being more emotive and, and driven in what people care about on an emotional level, I think are really helpful distinctions between the two. I would love to know, especially for Microblink, as you were figuring out who is Microblink as a brand and what is a product positioning, how those things work together or those conversations that you all think about? Yeah. I, you know, I was in an all hands recently and somebody asked me the exact question, how does our product positioning relate to our brand positioning? And I was like, that is an excellent question. And also I don't have a totally clear cut answer for you yet yet being the operative word. I will say and own right now that Microblink is still in the early stages of establishing our brand. We're doing that first by doing some introspection in terms of you know defining our vision statement, making sure that 
as our employee base grows, that everybody is bought into that vision statement. And that makes it easier for us to then say, okay, well, when we want to communicate at a large scale to thousands and maybe even millions of people that we're trying to reach as potential customers, how do we represent that vision and the sort of implicit characteristics that are part of that vision? You know, one of the things I challenge my team as well as the leadership team at Microblink to think about is what what would we walk away from? Product positioning, it's a little bit easier, but you sometimes this is actually a challenge that comes up. It's a, a customer comes to you, maybe they want some super customized version or something that's a little bit out of scope from your current product roadmap, and you have to decide, are you going to do it or are you not going to do it? And I think brand is a little bit of the same thing. It's are there customers, are there solutions that the market might ask for that we, for whatever reason, would not create because it doesn't align with who we want to be in the world. And I think that you have to be willing to walk away. That is spot on. That's a similarity for both. Positioning, whether it's a brand or product, is not only what you are, but who you're not and making those tough decisions about we have a defined market we're going to serve, and so we're not going to be for everyone. I love to talk about the role of positioning internally. What's the value of having both product and brand positioning for an organization internally? That is a really good question. I think that, you know, it depends on where in the company you sit. But if we take sales, for an example, one of the primary internal customers of marketing, and they consume both our product and our brand positioning, most great salespeople will tell you that great selling isn't just the product positioning. Of course, they want that to be robust and they want it to be solid and effective. But most great salespeople also are, are good at weaving in an emotional component. And they're good at resolving personal tension, intra-company tension, like, you know, bringing this product on is going to resolve this issue that you have internally within your company or existential tension, like, can this possibly <laughs> exist <laughs> at all? You really do need both because we all have type one and type two thinking, right? So there's our rational brain and we all have emotional brains as well. And so we need to be leveraging our skills as marketers to make that appeal to both forms of thinking and both forms of decision-making. So you were just talking about type one, type two thinking. We have the emotional side and the rational side. So when we think about product positioning and brand positioning, one thing that we talk a lot about is for both, they need to be something that people can rally around. And for product marketers, our job is to craft that story and then we give it to marketing teams and sales teams to really share it broadly. So we talked about the role of positioning internally, and let's shift externally. What's the value of clear positioning externally? In my view, it's really important for somebody who is considering buying a product or educating their, themselves in a space to know immediately upon landing on your website, whether that's a landing page or some other you know, piece of collateral that you've put together, they need to know, is there something here for me? And product positioning is part of what gets you there. And great product positioning, I think really carves that out in a fairly aggressive way. And what I mean by aggressive is not maybe, maybe that's not the right adjective, but the way I put it to my team is uh, sometimes I push them and I'm like, pick a fight. Or if I'm feeling less confrontational, I say, take a stand. And my point is, is that it's very easy in like B2B marketing speak to just 
have everything go towards this very vanilla buzzword centric place that just is like a giant word salad of stuff that no one could possibly disagree with, but that no one would also buy. And I would rather us turn somebody off at the second of them landing on a web page than just have some word salad. And and the reason for that is that for every person that might be turned off by something that we say, there's somebody that's like exactly my point. And that's what I mean by we can't be something for everybody. We have to narrow the focus and we have to be trying to appeal to a specific group of people. And some people are going to walk away. And that is okay. That is actually desirable. So Catherine, you said pick a fight or take a stand. Sometimes people on your team who you have to convince them that's the right direction. Talk about a time when that's been the case and and how did you get them to understand the value of taking a stand? Well, one way to do it is to talk very concretely in terms of the realities of our budget. So a company like Microsoft can plaster the world with many, 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 many messages, many targeted messages. They can try and reach everyone because they're Microsoft and because their budget is orders of magnitude larger than ours. We don't have that luxury. So we have to narrow our focus if we are going to survive. And so to survive and ultimately succeed and thrive, you want to say, here's where we take our stand and get our foothold and we grow from there. Eventually, of course, we become big and we can appeal to a much broader set of people, but we have to start somewhere. And so that's really what I tell leadership level individuals. And I think that generally they're pretty amenable to it. It can it can be challenging. There's a bias to not want to walk away from anything, but it's really more that you're walking towards uh, a really clear hypothesis about where your growth is going to come from. And then if you're talking about other stakeholders like sales, they can also be reluctant to walk away from from potential deals as well. To me, the most effective thing is to show the difference between the performance of what I would view as like mushy product positioning and performance of great product positioning. And so you can pretty easily A-B test that and showcase just how much better reaction you get. And then you have more time to go after the ones who are going to say yes. One final I'll say on product people, product people actually love for you to focus. So that's the only stakeholder that you don't have a problem with because product people are so relieved when you tell them that they only have to solve the problem of a narrow group of people and not, I don't know, the entire Fortune 1000. (laughs) Everything you're saying points to clear positioning is going to save you resources, time, and money. So clear positioning doesn't make sense and makes dollars. We talked a little bit ago about based on the stage of the company, that's going to determine how you approach brand positioning and product positioning. So you mentioned many early stage companies, they're not going to focus on brand positioning. And you yourself, you stumbled upon product marketing. So that said, when do you think is the right time to really focus on brand positioning? So I think it's when you have a very strong, validated product market fit and you are ready to scale. Usually at that point, you have the recipe for success. We have ingredients A, B, and C, and we mix them all together. We're gonna get a whole lot of new revenue. And then you start to want to expand the top of your funnel and brand positioning helps you do that by telling a coherent story to not just your early adopters, but to people who are 
really the sweet spot. It's pulling people in with that emotional pull and then shepherding them down the the marketing funnel with clear and concise product positioning and then ultimately having them drop into the sales funnel. But to make that top of the funnel large, I think you do have to have a a good brand. Since the role of positioning kind of changes as a company grows, there's going to be a messy middle as you go from product market fit to a scaling company. Talk about what that messy middle may have looked like for you in the past, or even maybe right now between brand and product positioning. Yeah, I think at Microblankets, we're a little bit on the cusp of being ready to go uh, to market with a, a brand identity and brand positioning. There's a lot of like institutional anxiety, I would say, and sort of questions that come up. What it looks like is things like, how should we invest in PR and at what level? How much money should we be spending on really big booths at conferences and other forms of sponsorship at trade show events? How much time and energy should we be devoting to analyst relations and corporate marketing activities? Those are the right questions to be asking right now. And I don't know if I have a clear answer for exactly what those should be for Microblink yet, but I can say that right now at the company level, How can we tie any activity that we're doing to a goal in a way where we think it's going to have an impact? And if we can't tie an activity to a goal that's considered impactful, then we're just not going to do it right now. You mentioned goals, and it leads me to another question I have. Since we keep emphasizing how important clear positioning is, what's your process to establish clear positioning for Microblink? That is a good question. I think it involves gathering a lot of different information from different places. And are we talking about product positioning or brand positioning right now? Let's talk about both. Where do we want to start? Uh, So for product positioning, I think it's pretty clear. You know, we do a lot of internal work, just looking at the competitive landscape. We get updates from our product team on what they're working on and why. We talk to our customer success team about what they hear from customers. And we talk to the sales team about what questions they're getting asked by prospects. And then we look at our own data to see, you know, are there obvious trends in terms of topics that are top of mind? And that all kind of leads us down the road of all right, this is the opportunity space that we see. And then we think of how do we articulate our positioning in the most compelling way. Brand positioning, I think, is a little bit uh, less developed in terms of our process for what that looks like. I mentioned we've recently articulated our vision statement, which is to bring the benefits of AI to every person on earth. I think that's kind of a touchstone for us in terms of coming back to what it is we are trying to accomplish. I think every company that's trying to create something new is sort of obligated to describe the world that they would like to exist in and the world in which their technology has a large role to play. And so that's really the spirit of our vision statement. And there's a lot of open space in that vision statement. So there are a lot of different companies that could come out of that. But that's where we start from. And I I will say that it's been successful as a touchstone for us to come back to. It's also been an effective recruiting tool for us to articulate, who are you trying to be? Why should I join this company that I may never have heard of? So that's, that's kind of how I understand that our brand positioning is working or is headed in the right direction, but it's far from complete. 
there was so much there I want to dig into because that resonated with me. I first want to talk about how you develop product positioning, and you mentioned talking to your sales team and customer success. And what's wonderful about that is clear product positioning is rooted in your audience and what they want and need. So the fact that you're getting those inputs, it's validating the position you are claiming from a product perspective. Another thought I had for brand positioning, you talked about employer brand. So if you think about product positioning that's gonna to cascade to your sales decks and sales enablement. Brand positioning is gonna to cascade to other parts like your employer brand and how people wanna be perceived in market. So if people understanding the difference between product positioning and brand positioning and the roles they play and places they impact you, I think is super important to know. Yeah, absolutely. And employer branding is something that we spend actually quite a bit of time on. And I think it's important to recognize, especially for growth stage companies, that your human capital is a huge asset. It is a huge investment and it is very hard to build your human capital well. And so being concise about your brand positioning leads to your ability to hire the right people that are going to do well at your company, that are going to be aligned and thrive and also feel you know, engaged throughout that process. Because again, we're in a probably one of the more competitive hiring environments that we've seen in the last 20 years, say. And I don't think any company can can kind of sit back on, you know, just their comp and benefits and perks and just assume that that's gonna be enough to get somebody in the door because it, it just isn't. It goes back to your point about taking a stand, whether it's for your product or your your company yeah. brand and that matters yeah and i think that there's a lot of vulnerability in that you know you're putting your sign out and saying like this is who we are and we can joke about like you know we all had that experience of like having like a lemonade stand when we were a kid you're like nervous you don't know if people are going to come and buy lemonade from your lemonade stand and that exists obviously when you're talking about customers and it exists when you're talking about potential employees but you have to say this is who we are we're selling lemonade I love that. Come, join our team. There's consistent evidence that people underestimate how much implicit motivation is wildly important to people in terms of what they do and what their overall happiness is. And we can talk about stock options and rich comp packages all day long, but the reality is that people want to enjoy who they work with and they want to feel connected to what they're working on and they want to feel like they are having an impact that is what they want to see in the world, however they define it. So your brand, it matters. So you talk about employer brand. I know in your role, you were overseeing an element of that and the product marketing team. So in terms of both brand positioning, product positioning, how do all your, your teams within the marketing organization activate positioning? Yeah. So I, I think that we do a lot of work cross-functionally with product marketing and content marketing, obviously leading the charge on kind of the, the what of what gets put together. Design at times as well also plays a large role in how we activate our brand. And then we have regular group touch points whenever we're going to a trade show, whenever we're you know, producing a new piece of collateral where we ask ourselves the question, is our product positioning clear? Is this true to our brand? And you know, we went through the process of doing a brainstorm around what we wanted our brand voice to be because you know, there's sort of a, 
a good piece of advice that uh, a mentor gave me once, which is that it's very easy to stop communicating like an actual person when you're marketing. And it's a lot easier to say, okay, we're going to try and channel like this personality. And I think that it was interesting because the brand voice that we came up with was Mark Watney from The Martian. And I think it's a it's a good one. <laughs> it may not be the one we stick with, but we wanted somebody, a, a brand voice that was obviously uh, very intelligent, but very optimistic and also a little bit funny. So approachable and, and not, you know, super AI, machine learning science. You can't think about it in human terms. So uh, that's where we landed. It was a fun brainstorm. Again, I don't know if it's like the end all be all of brand voices, but it was uh, it was something that we did in order to answer your question to coordinate kind of what direction are we all heading in? And can we true back to that pretty easily in our minds? To your point about picking brand traits and brand voice, one thing we'll often reiterate to clients is, for product positioning, you're in the land of what's accurate and true. What does our product do? Who's our audience? And the brand positioning side is, what do we sound like and what characteristics do we have? But also, too, for both sides, positioning something that will stay true for quite a while. You may switch out messaging, but your position you claim in market will not change after three, six months. Has there ever been a time where you had to reiterate that or had challenges about when to evolve positioning, whether it's for the product or the brand? You know, I think that Microbling, we have two product suites in market, one in identity verification and one in sort of commerce or consumer purchase behavior. And both of those product suites have evolved over time. And as a result of that evolution, the product positioning has had to evolve as well. So we started on the identity verification side with document scanning and that is our bread and butter and it's something that we have a, a very large competitive advantage in in terms of our global coverage now as we've evolved we have layered on more complex identity products on top of that foundational layer and that's necessitated us saying oh we actually have to take up a different position in the market and what does that mean for us and so you know we've taken our first approach at that and we're seeing how that plays out and you know there are some there are some real complexities there but that's been the biggest shift that I think the company's had to make in the last year or so is just recognizing that that move from that foundational layer to these more complex versions of identity verification uh, was both necessary and essential in terms of evolving our positioning in the market. So it sounds like one trigger to evolve product positioning is our products are expanding. What we offer customers is changing. So let's reestablish our place in market, which we see a lot of clients do. We've been talking about Microblink, and that's where you are right now. I love to talk about your startup days when you were a founder of those organizations. Oftentimes I've seen for startups, when they talk about what's our brand position, what's our product position, they're one and the same because their product is their brand. So you know what it's like to be founder, early stage company, you're at the stage where you just want to shout a message from the rooftops. For that type of founder who's in that stage, what would you tell them is the value of clear product positioning? I think you you have to be willing to make it clear to people what it is you're selling. And it is 
so hard to do that. You probably test it hundreds, if not thousands of times on different people before you figure out what is the way that I can say this that somebody immediately knows like, yeah, I'm interested in that or no, that's not for my company. And that's the sign that you have. It's not the no. I think a lot of people think it's like, oh, we're getting lots of no's and that's a problem. The lots of no's, you're always going to get lots of no's. It's you want to get really clear no's and really clear yeses. You don't want, oh, that sounds maybe interesting, but I don't quite understand what you do. That's death because your real issue as a founder and as an early stage founder is time. And so you have to solve the problem of time. And the way to do that is clear positioning. (laughs) Love it. Love it. So I have one Last question I'd love to talk with you about, and that is, we've been talking a lot about brand versus product positioning, and that is a core function of product marketing. How do you, do you, how do you think about the future of product marketing? Is it going in the right direction? Is it getting the attention it deserves? What are we missing? I think the future of product marketing, if I can comment on what I see in the job market, seems very bright. <laughs> It's hard to recruit product marketers right now. There's a lot of discussion about how it's hard to find great product marketers. I think that's very true. I will say that it really depends on the company in terms of what role you're actually getting into. And there is a lot of variability. You know, one thing that I always envy sales, it's like sales is sales. But product marketing actually, there's a high degree of variability. Like it, sometimes it sits in product, sometimes it sits in marketing. That has a really big effect on many ways in which that specific role might manifest itself. And I don't have a strong opinion about where it should live, but I do think that it leads to potentially some confusion and sometimes like disenfranchisement of product marketers in general. Like they're sort of orphaned in between teams. It takes a savvy, I think, leadership team to empower product marketers to do what they do the best. And that's the that's the challenge. It is indeed. Catherine, I've really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you for taking the time to talk with me today. Likewise. Thank you, Leanna. I really appreciate it. Hey there, it's Tina. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Unlock Product Marketing, a series by Better Product. For more resources just like this, be sure to join us in the Better Product community. Our community is for product leaders and practitioners who want to connect with each other. Together, we're learning what it takes to design, build, market, and sell better products. And starting this year, we're on Slack, so we're having more conversations than ever. Find us at betterproduct.community for more.